on it. They will come on I ain't lying. My mom said I did them up, stop playing with me. Yeah. DJ can't play against the see that fine. Shall I have type of tunes? I be playing a key. And Jebba gotta be playing for me. All I gotta do 30 years. Try to life went through our Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. Rob, what it do? Oh man, I feel like deja vu all over again, man. Drew Brees injury midseason, going to the backup quarterback. Uh, I think you talked me off the ledge last time because it was Teddy Bridgewater. This time it's my guy, Jameis Winston. I think I feel even more nervous this time. <laughs> you should. I'm done with FSU <laughs> if this dude don't get it done. I'm done with them. Boys. I mean, listen, he looked all right for the first couple of passes, but uh. See, once he hit that red zone, balls was flying everywhere. Before <laughs> I started throwing them ducks. Uh, but look, I think uh, I'm excited, bro. I, I think the Saints get an audition. James get the audition to see if he the future, of the, you know, the Saints, or if not for us, for somebody. So I think he couldn't be in a better position personally for, you know, for himself going going into that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we got to – and we glossing over the, the 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 underlying issue, right? Which is that is that Drew Brees, you know, five crack ribs, a slightly punctured lung, you know. So get well soon to Drew Brees. No matter what happened in the off season, you don't want to you know see somebody have life threatening injuries on the football field. Definitely, definitely. Um, but we gonna get we gonna get into that and a lot more in the NFL. Uh, but we wanna welcome you know a friend of the pod back for the second time. Uh, what? Running back for the Patriots and the Bengals, all SEC back for Ole Miss, New Orleans native Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Benny, what it do, bro? What's going on, man? How y'all doing tonight, bro? Chilling, man. Good. And don't 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 gloss over the the time spent at Indiana. I mean, you know, Indiana's right. a top ten football team almost now. That's right. Ben Benny put them boys on a map back with Jerry Donato. Yeah, they was on a map with <laughs> Red well before me. That's right. That's right. I remember. Definitely, man. Well, look, let, let's jump into it. We're going we gonna to start off with some NBA. There's a lot of, lot of trades going on. The draft is, is uh, tomorrow, I believe. Um, but first, Benny, I want, I want to get, get your opinion on LeBron got, you know, his fourth ring. So so where does that put him in the uh, the, the rankings for you, M MJ or LeBron? And I don't compare him, you know what I'm saying? I like, you know, I like LeBron. I like Michael Jordan, too. I think oh, he's a different player. You uh you th you think uh LeBron got any more in him? You think he'll win any more before he retire? He could. The way he performed, you know, in the last, you know, this NBA bubble, you know, it's just ridiculous. Definitely. I mean, it, it's a lot of competition out there. We we gonna we gonna get into some of these trades. They you know it, it ain't gonna be easy for him. That's for sure. But it's uh, very easy for him. We, you know, he just win. That's all. It, yeah, yeah. He he the man. I I I like him over me and Rye had the debate. I I I think LeBron is number one. But uh, the, the more race he had. I think LeBron would have given me that autograph at 11 years old. So, you know, as, as a man, <laughs> I, I like LeBron. But the basketball play, I'm still going MJ right now. So, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I, I think once LeBron add, add another one, it's, it's, it's over. But, look, me and Rob talked a little bit about this two weeks ago. Um, players had to decide if they were going to come back in December or uh, MLK weekend. And, and me and Rob talked about it, you know, briefly. But – we both felt like there was no way the players were gonna hold out, redo the CBA, you know, give up money. Uh, it was just too much involved. So, Rob, what was your assessment of what happened with that? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they came quick, fast, in a hurry. I mean, the only counter to, to them playing was the guys who just finished, right? And that just simply wasn't enough teams and enough players to outweigh the financial impact that it would have on so many other guys in the league. Um, I think it's one of them situations where your veterans, um, your Kawhis and LeBrons who were there almost to the end, just got to suck it up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And they, and they did, you know. Right. But yeah, uh, I mean, you didn't hear too much complaining out of somebody like LeBron. He cracked a joke on the shop, basically saying he's going to be cherry picking for the first month. Personally, I think a lot of guys are just going to probably play only like one third, one fourth of those games. Right. Yeah, it's the first month. I don't think a lot of them guys are going to play. Right. But, um, you know, tomorrow, NBA draft. Who's going first? LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards? I, I feel like Anthony Edwards, personally. I mean, I you know, watching Lonzo play right now, it's like all of those 80-point, 70-point games, I just don't know that they translate to the NBA where the athleticism is so much higher than what um, what they were seeing when they were in high school. Uh, and, and, you know, Melo didn't play college ball. He went overseas and the level of talent, I, I'm, I'm not really sure if that level of talent was so much better. I mean, yes, it's professional. So you're playing against grown men. Um, but at the same time, was it really better than what he would have seen in a year of college basketball? So to me, uh, I, I mean, I've seen, I saw Anthony Edwards, um, workout that he put on, that Clutch put on with him. Uh, he just, to me, he looks like the better athlete. He, you know, he doesn't have the, the length and everything. But I, I just, I feel like I see him going number one overall. Benny, you, you, you seen any of these dudes play? Say that one more time. I say you seen any of these guys play? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about how the games transfer over. You know, we we, we don't get a chance to see the, the tournament. Right. But, you know, it would be interesting to see these guys play in the tournament because you get to see how they perform under pressure and the lights. So, you know, all of that kind of come into play, too. So it's kind of a difficult draft. I didn't know that was already tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's, you know, it's not surprising you didn't know because it's in the middle of the NFL season. Right. <laughs> just You know, it's just the calendar so I mean, off. I knew it was coming up, but, you know, I didn't know it was, like, really tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, you know, just with everything going on with the NFL, is you know, they got trades happening in the NBA. It's just so much. It's hard to kind of keep track. I mean, I will say me and Rob talked a little bit about this uh, before we started the podcast. You know, without like you said, Benny, without the NCAA tournament, typically when fans catch all the guys is the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. So I saw George, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards play in the SEC because I follow LSU a little bit. But, you know, you, you would have saw some kind of LaMelo games on had not been for the pandemic. They would have been showing some of them games. You saw the tournament. Some other guys would have popped out. You know, caught your attention, but right now, outside of Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and James Wiseman, nobody really knows the next seven guys. I mean, Obi Obi Toppin is is in there. I think that's probably the consensus top four. The guy from Dayton, yeah, from Obi Toppin out of Dayton. I heard somebody. I was just listening. Somebody compare him to kind of a smaller um, Amari Stoudemire. So I mean. After that, I think it's a kind of a free for all. I think you're talking about basically Wiseman is almost a lot for two because he said he hasn't talked to any other teams in Golden State. And so then it really becomes about LaMelo, 
uh, versus Edwards for one and three, and then Obi topping at four, and then it becomes wide open after that. And and just for for some context, Anthony Edwards is six five two twenty five, and Lamelo is like six 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 seven, like one eighty, right? So physically, he just he his body hasn't matured. So you don't, I mean, he's still somewhat of a project, I would say. And I mean, just given what you see now, the Lonzo and and whatever the middle brother name i can't even think of his name jello jello you don't you don't have a lot of it's not like he got like uh you know genetics on his side you know what i'm saying in terms of like people like man that, that ball family you know like how, right how superior dad, athletes right. right like they right. have they have size but athleticism i don't think is necessarily the thing they all, they all lacking that right. uh free agency starting on, on November 20th, and they can sign, you know, what what deals can be agreed to, and then they sign on November 22nd. So that's just something to, to watch out for. Um, but let's get into some of these trades, man. Like I talked with, with Benny, you know, a lot of teams trying to build teams to compete with LeBron and, and Kawhi, right? So I think everybody thought it was a two-team race coming into this year with the Clippers and the Lakers. Now you got CP3 to the Suns. You got Drew Holiday to the Bucks. You know, word is out about James Harden possibly going to the Nets. Um, Rob, who you think putting themselves in position to to compete with LeBron for that championship? I mean, if obviously if 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 Harden goes to the Nets, then you're talking about that's probably your finals. Obviously, you cannot overlook the Warriors, right? Because if if Stephen Clay come back healthy and Wiseman can give you a little bit of anything. Um, and, and, and they might still be a player in free agency. There was some talk I heard that they might, um, that if Avery Bradley would have opt out, they could sign Avery Bradley, um, which would just give them kind of a, a defensive edge in the backcourt. So you can't overlook them. But if we're just talking about who the Lakers competitors would be, I mean, I like what the Bucks are doing. I know a lot of people are like Giannis is gone. But if you talk about Drew Holiday uh, with Chris Middleton and, and Brogdon Bogdanovich, who they traded for, if they can get Lopez back with Giannis, I mean, that's a solid squad. I don't know who they're going to, you know, have on their bench now that they've sent Hill and Bledsoe away. And I think they sent DiVincenzo. Like, they basically traded away their whole bench for, for these guys. And they traded away the future they draft. But if you can get some free agency pieces to play with that starting five, I mean, that's a team that has been the one seed, I think, with the last two years in the East. I like, you know, what they're doing. But obviously, if James Harden goes to the Nets, that's just a game changer. Benny, what's your thought on the Nets with Harden? If James Harden goes to the Nets, are they keeping Kyrie Irving or is he a part yes. of Yes. No, they're keeping him. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody's arguing about. Like, I heard Jalen Rose say, if I'm the Nets, there's no way in hell I'm giving you James Harden unless you give me back Kyrie Irving. But everybody's saying that the Nets are saying that those two pieces are untouchable and that if a trade is done, it'll just be a gang of draft picks and cover, uh uh, Lavert, Karis Lavert, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Do they have? I mean, I mean, do they have good draft picks? Jeez. Right. Uh, that's my thing. <laughs> but like, if you the if you the Rockets, why would you trade them to the Nets? That's what everybody's doing, right? Like, because when you look at it, like with the Lakers and the Pelicans, and with the Bucks and the Pelicans, these draft picks end up being like you know future draft picks, which would be twenty fifth, thirty, you know, twenty eighth pick in the draft. I don't know why people, I, I mean, I, I get it. You get three or four and you hope that at some point the team gets bad. And so at the back end of the trade, one of those picks will turn into an early round pick. That's, that's the hope, I guess. Yeah. I think the Pelicans banking on 
Greek freak leaving. Because if right. he leaves, then those for three first rounders become high draft picks, probably. Right. But the issue is the Nets, right? So the Nets, they're gonna have they, what they got. Um, what's your boy who was with the Lakers at the center? Um, oh, you talking about DeAndre Lakers. Jordan? So you got DeAndre Jordan. There's a there's there's word that they might try to go after Serge Ibaka, and then you would have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. That would be their starting five. <laughs> I mean, is there enough balls to go around, Benny? I do not believe so. <laughs> the problem is, like, Kyrie, Kyrie and KD kind of the same person. They both are closer, so who going to give up that? Right. And James Harden is a ball-dominant person, so it's like not even do y'all do the, y'all do the same thing. Y'all in the same part of the game. Like, y'all all, all want to close the game. Right, right. And James Harden, you talking about a, a guy, you talking about a guy who led the league in scoring like two of the last three years or something? I mean, how do you just all of a sudden take the ball out of his hands? I don't think he's gonna go for that. That that would be something they would all have to discuss, you know what I'm saying? And they all in a part of their career where they can still get more out of their body, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, you know, old Dwayne Wade at the end of his career, he playing with right. Henry and you know LeBron or whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of difficult thing. Yeah, I mean, I think KD proved he could play off ball if needed to, like he did with the with the Golden State. But, but I thought Kyrie, that was why he left. I thought that was why he left Golden right, State. Right, and Kyrie is proven like he can't play without the ball, and if he doesn't have the ball, he's gonna break up the locker room. I mean, he, he Kyrie, really, Kyrie, in my opinion, Kyrie should have stayed with LeBron because LeBron don't really want to close games out like per se. He would he would make the pass, so that was Kyrie role. Like he fit was, with LeBron. I don't know why he would want to leave. Like to me, that's a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And like, if you left LeBron, why would you then want to play with KD? Like you still you still number two today. To, right. You know, you still robbing today, Batman. Also, what so like did number four. Yeah, I think he thought he was going to be number one in Boston and got a, a wake-up call, and that's why that didn't work. But, I, I mean, to me, that, that was, the like you said, the perfect situation for him also because you were a lot younger. And so you would have been able to ascend eventually. He just wanted the mantle too quick. He wanted the, the crown too quick. Stay around long enough like AD is about to do, and maybe you get two cheap ones as the second-best player on the team, and then you you know ascend, and they put other pieces around you. I think AD learned from from uh, uh, Kyrie's mistakes, though. Yeah, I mean, look at Dwayne Wade, right? Like nobody thought he was the best player when he won with Shaq. Right. Nobody thought he was the best player when he won two with LeBron. But you look back at his career, and he got three rings, and he's right. considered you know top probably fifteen of all time. Right, and he's like LeBron's OG. So yeah, I, you know, he he's. Still, like, kind of son LeBron when LeBron got there. Like, we had to teach LeBron how to win. Right. So even that became part of his legacy. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, I don't know, bro. I, I just, you know, I, I don't see hard into the net. I just don't see that working. Like, I, I don't know that they can, they might win the East, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I think the cohesiveness, like, won't work. Like, it won't be a lot of, that locker room's going to be divided. Right, like bottom line, they're gonna make it. Games. They'll probably go to the finals, right? Because they'll be so much better than everybody in the East. But would they beat a more cohesive uh, team that they're playing against on the other side? That I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other any other moves? Like, what you, what you think about CP three to the Suns? Like, does that? I mean, the Suns were probably the hottest team. You right, know, they'll they'll make the playoffs now. You know, first month of the bubble. 
Yeah, they'll be in the playoffs. That's cute. But, I mean, <laughs> will they win anything? Probably not. Typical CP3 out maybe the second they, round. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe they win a first-round series, knock somebody off a higher seed or something. It, yeah. It'll be it'll be really exciting basketball, I'll give them that. And Devin Booker's probably going to have some really you know high-scoring games because he's going to have somebody to feed him now. He'll have a career, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I – I think James Harden is, is like that's the next you know big piece to see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think outside of that, two other things to talk about real quick. Just the if James Harden leaves, it's pretty guaranteed that Russell Westbrook will leave. The the big rumors now is that Russell Westbrook will go to potentially the Wizards for John Wall. Um, I think that's kind of a a lose oh, lose. Like yeah. right, because both teams are gonna be like. Those dudes will have stats, but they'll be per- perennial, you know, bottom of their conferences. And then the other uh, trade is the Dennis Schroeder trade, which the Lakers made for Danny Green in the 28th pick. That could be sneaky important down the line because it looks like Rajon Rondo's leaving probably for more money. Some people say maybe the Clippers and then Avery Bradley potentially opting out and going to the Warriors. Dennis Schroeder all of a sudden might be injected into the starting lineup for the Lakers. You know, he was potentially the sixth man of the year this past year with 18 points a game by five assists. So that's a guy who – and the Lakers are also potentially looking at uh, Wesley Matthews, Serge Ibaka. So that, that's a roster that could be, you know, really different next year too. Yeah, we're going to see what happens. Um, it's cool, man. Well, I think that's all for basketball for now. We'll see what happens in this just draft tomorrow. But – uh. College football, got a lot of storylines coming out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. First, LSU BAM was canceled, and as an LSU fan, I can't say that I was disappointed. Um, might have saved us, might have saved us so, ass whipping. That's so, that's so cowardly, bro. Like, I don't even know how to, res- I don't even, like, I, I don't even, the level of respect I just lost for you hearing you say that, like. Say, bro, when, when you can't like be Missouri. Your, that's like somebody calling your hands in the street and <laughs> you just, like, go inside your house. Hey, man, I would I would expect that from a Florida State fan. Like, just because <laughs> hey, y'all been getting y'all hey, asses whooped the last five years. And, and we taking that shit on the chin every week, all right? And we about to take it on the chin this week against Clemson. Least y'all can do is show up and take y'all ass whipping like a man. <laughs> they won't go out there and party and intentionally get COVID to cancel the game. I think O'Toole and boys go to every Halloween party in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Go get that shit right now. Uh, but, uh, I mean, on a serious note with that, like, LSU-Bama was the big game that was canceled, but they had 10 other games that were canceled last week. So at that point, what happens with the college football playoff? Like, can they really keep it where it is? And, I mean, we, we pretty much know who's going to go, right? Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama. But I don't know if they're going to have enough games played with so many games getting canceled. What's your thoughts on on them playing? Like, can a college football play a playoff really start mid December? Yeah, it's just I, I, like it's interesting, just because you know, like a team like LSU who's not going to be going to the playoffs, right? Now they have two games canceled, right? And they the the Florida game is already set to be rescheduled, I believe. So does that mean that Bama just doesn't happen then because there's not going to be enough dates left before the SEC championship, which Bama will likely be playing in? Um, and you know, you got. Ohio State just had a game canceled this week, so now their schedule is down to seven games instead of eight. Wisconsin, I believe, had like two games canceled already, right? Yep. And they actually look pretty good. So what happens to them? Like, they may only have a six-game season. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how all this plays out. I mean, 
like you said, I think it's almost telegraphed that everybody expects certain teams to be in there. But like, if I end up being Wisconsin and I'm six and zero, or something like that, and I'm not, you know, I'm kept out because of 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 COVID, you know, then all of a sudden I got actual reason to complain. So Benny, I got a question for you, bro. Like. LSU's having this awful season. Granted, it's in a pandemic. Michigan looks horrible. Penn State can't win a game. As a recruit, like, does on-field play or does, like, season results matter? Like, when you're getting recruited, do you look at a team's record if they're not playing well? Do you look at it as, like, an opportunity for you to come in and play early? Or you be like, that, you know, I don't want to go play there. They're not winning. Like, how, how does that work for a recruit? I think it's a little bit of both. You know what I'm saying? Um... Because if a team not playing well if, at, at the position you want to come in and play at, then you feel like you have a, you know opportunity to go in and help the team right away. And vice versa, if they're not playing well at the position that you're not going to be at, then you're like, I don't want to go there because I don't feel like, you know, they can help me. So mm-hmm. it's one of those catch-22 situations. Definitely. And what's your take on, you know, like LSU not playing well, Michigan, any like, do you think is that strictly like the pandemic? Is it, you know, not practicing? Because you know Alabama's still strong. So like, how how much does that play like the pandemic play a part in like the on field play? Well, uh, I think it's a little bit of all, you know all of that because if you you know you have certain guys that you know they get better through repetitions, and you know some guys get better just you know just by hearing it. So mm-hmm. you have those guys that's not getting that repetition that need to be getting repetition. So, you know, you can look at the Saints offense and you look at Drew Brees and when we played the Buccaneers, he looked like he had energy. But right. you know, they haven't been out there for two months now, which would normally be mini camp and training camp, a real training camp. So, you know, you got to factor in all that time. So when I'm looking at the NFL season, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, now we have halfway through the season and, you know, guys will be at the point they would normally be at if they had, you know, mini camp and stuff because that's about two weeks. You know, you get about 15 practices. So right. About three weeks worth of practice. Now they're out there with the team. You know, they get going through COVID. So it's a little bit different. So – now I'm looking at it and saying, okay, now these guys should be ready to go. The teams just start finding some gel. Or, you know, some teams don't know their identity. Look at the Rams. You know, they don't know if they wanted to be a running team. And I really think they realize that, you know, they just a run first team. Right. I guess my question, though, is, like, do you think college kids being recruited are processing all of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, James Franklin, Penn State, that's a team that perennially has been at the top of the Big Ten or always in the running. They're 0-4 now. Indiana's at the top at 4-0. and um, Do you think kids are factoring that type of stuff in, or do you think they're just going to kind of see something shiny, flashy? They're like Northwestern's in the Big Ten, the west side. They're 4-0. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that it'll cause a flip where schools that you know traditionally weren't at the top all of a sudden have great recruiting classes, or you think kids will kind of understand that you know it's maybe a pandemic season, you know, Penn State will bounce back. Northwest is going to go back to what they are, you know, type thing. Man, um, unlike everything else in the world, you know, technology and make things and stuff better. But when you're talking about, like, college, you always have those, you know, history always at the best. Like, you know, so people going to always want to go to those historic programs and, you know, the Penn States and, you know, those big-time programs that you've always heard about. 
So it makes it difficult for a new school to just come up and all of a sudden just be good. You know what I'm saying? So right. I don't, I think that kids are paying attention. I just think that they just like, man, you know, it just gives them a different name notoriety. Let's say they go to Penn State or let's say they go to Notre Dame. Um, you know, then Clemson. Like, for instance, Clemson been creeping up here lately, but a lot of people didn't know about Clemson. They didn't know, they didn't know where it's at. You know, it's in South Carolina. Right. A lot of people don't even know where it's at. But I think that when you have those programs that have those historical backgrounds, you know, and that history tied to it, you know, people don't want to go away from that because you get the name notoriety and, you know, the alumni and all that type of stuff come into play that, you know, those coaches, college coaches, they harp on and they recruit and tell guys this and tell guys that. So I'm definitely more than sure that's one of the things that they're saying. I think, too, like uh, what's going on that, that, you know, that's not being talked about as much as, like, they still have a recruiting day period. So right. recruits can't really go on official visits they could spend their own money and go so the fact of the matter is like a, a kid might spend his own dime to go to ohio, ohio state to benny's point but like you it's, it's gonna be hard pressed for a kid who just because indiana's winning this year or just because you know lsu's down or, or penn state's down like the name recognition and when you look at the pros how many guys from ohio state and lsu and bam on the pros i think that still matters a lot to recruit also, I think that, that dead period they just announced this past week that it's extended three and a half months to April the fifteenth. You know, what I'm yeah, saying? So, exactly right. So they can't. So that's that's past signing day, right? So like, it, potentially, you're talking about a situation where um, the season is almost out of these kids' mind by the time they start, you know, actually visiting some of these campuses and stuff like that. Yeah. So you know, I, the coach is going to have all the excuses lined up. Like I keep seeing every week on the bottom of the tick on like ESPN and stuff. Players are just opting out in the middle of the season because this is basically a freebie. It doesn't necessarily count towards the eligibility. So you having guys, I think, look up and be like, I'm not having the greatest season. This doesn't count to anything. We're not going anywhere. I'm going to opt out and just try again next season. Right. Right. And I, I'm curious to see that that whole like they don't lose the eligibility. Like that starts messing with the jet chart and, and also how you were right. Right, you might start seeing some coaches be like, "Yeah, you can come back. That don't mean there's gonna be a stop spot here for you." Right, you better go in that transfer portal. Right, but uh, um, anything else in college football, Rob? Uh, oh, I mean, all right. So look, we got to talk about this, y'all. We got, we Man, we got to talk I, about you, this. We got, you I, you know. tap dancing, trying <laughs> to avoid holding your school accountable. It's sickening. <laughs> it, it really is sickening. Talk about it. We got to talk up. about. The USC Today article that came out, apparently, you've been wilding in Baton Rouge for a while. <laughs> uh, Darius Geis came out, got waved by the Redskins because he had like three months in a row with, with domestic disputes with his his uh, significant other. Now it's coming out that, you know, he's allegedly raped two women on LSU's campus, multiple players, Drake Davis, um, you know, sexual assault, uh, Peter Parrish, a former quarterback suspended got kicked off the team sexual assault grant delpit was named in an article is filming you know a woman doing it doing a nasty uh who else uh another guy he, i can't it, it wasn't the list that he just filmed a tell the whole story now they said he didn't went and showed it to the whole team <laughs> and then the equipment manager went back and i think she was a water girl or something and then so the equipment manager saw it and then he went back and told her you know that it was there so look I, i'm not i'm not trying to shift the blame here but you got Baylor had the situation a couple years back. You had Penn State have have the uh, 
the Sandusky issue. So this is starting to become prevalent across and, and college. Frankly, I'll hold LSU, I mean, FSU accountable as well. I mean, you know, with the Jameis Winston situation, then you had the New York Times article, which just basically kind of tried to argue that FSU players were running wild in general. Uh, BB gun fights, car accidents where they were hitting runs and, and not being, you know, just held accountable. So, I mean, it's not uncommon when you see this increase in performance on the field that you see this decrease in accountability to the players, um, you know. It seems, yeah, it seems to be kind of like pervasive around the NCAA. So, Benny, my question to you is not not that you know anyone or experienced this when, when, when you were in college, but, like, what do you think is happening in a shift since you would play college, what, you know, 15, 15 so years ago? What kind of shift have you seen in, in like, just college campuses that, that this has become so prevalent? Because, like, I don't remember it being as, you know, prevalent when you were in college, when we were in college. What, what do you think is happening in, in college sports, college athletics, college football specifically that's, you know, maybe causing it? What's the root issue here? I mean, that was a long-ass question. Sorry, uh, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that one for right now. I think Benny's experiencing some te technical difficulties. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I would argue that it's a, a different, you know, the, the social media era. Uh, ben, right. Looks like he just jumped back on, so you can re-ask the question. But I would argue that, like, you know, with that New York Times article and everything with with FSU and and now this USA USA Today article, I I don't want to take any accountability away from the schools, right? But when when you're in the twenty four hour news cycles and social media and there's a you know just they're pumping out stories left and right. You know, the minute one allegation comes out, I think that the temptation by the media is to peel the entire layer back on the university and see what else is going on. So, like, the Darius Guy story broke, and now they decided to investigate a whole bunch of stuff at LSU. Um, the only school that I would say that seems to have escaped all of that is down there in Tuscaloosa, right? Um, Which is odd. <laughs> it's not Very odd. Very odd. You know, Tuscaloosa, you know, they keep their program under wraps. But I would say that that's just one major difference is, is that, like, you know, the availability of information now, the ability to get that stuff and then the ability to get it out to, to everyday public, I think it has increased substantially. But uh, I'll let you re-ask the question of Benny. Yeah, but Benny, I, 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 heard it. I, heard, okay. I heard the question. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I just think, man, it's, it's just, it's just kind of hard to kind of blame the school. You know, at that time, you're going through a time where, you know, young kids or young adults are becoming adults and he on their own for the first time and he making a lot of stupid decisions that may be immature you know just because you go to college don't mean that you're mentally mature mm -hmm. you know enough to really kind of be on your own but that's the that's the, that's the predicament that you're in so it's kind of a it's kind of hard to blame the school like what you want the school to do you know school not with you you know when you go home or when you go do this whatever you're doing with these females and these young men so it's kind of difficult, but, you know, they, I guess they have a responsibility as a school to, you know, do a better job of um, listening to what people complain to. But to Rob's point, Benny, is like, have the have the football players become more immature over the last 15 years? Or is it just more information getting out there, media, more media? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's the media, man. You know, it's the media. You know, you look at people that were throwing parties and stuff back in the day, like, just think about it. We had social media where, you know, Rick James, let's <laughs> and, and the people would think the stuff that the people are doing now is wild, but, you know, 
it may not compare to some of the stuff that they were doing in the 70s right you know so i mean i could think back to when i was in college right like if people did wild stuff at a party it was taken on a camera and then the camera had to be taken to Walgreens and the photos had to be developed. You know what I'm saying? So by the time you got your developed photos, right, it was weeks later, the moment had passed, everybody was sober and there you might put up the pictures in your dorm room. You know what I'm saying? We have cell phones, but we didn't have camera phones yet. When you have the camera phone, I think the immediate desire is to record and post or to photograph and post as is the case with Grand Delpit, right? And so, I think that too just gets everybody in a lot of trouble. You know what I'm saying? Even like when you think about the Jameis Winston situation, he ends up suspended in the game against uh, Clemson for jumping on a cafeteria table and making a lewd comment in the in the cafeteria in the cafeteria room. But we only knew about it because somebody posted it on Twitter, I believe, not an actual clip, but just that it had taken place. Um, and then it went viral from there because he obviously had this investigation going on. Like that stuff just wouldn't have happened. 10 years earlier it would, it would stories would be told about it but there would be no you know social media and i don't want to i don't want to put the play, you know give the give the players like oh yeah let put people them, off the hook yeah i don't want to let them let them let them off the hook even but but i will say this about benny's point like in some in some ways i think you do have to blame the, the schools the institutions the ncaa because you're in a situation where Let's say LSU, right? Orgeron's making $7 million. The AD's making $2 million. The school is bringing in $140 million. And the city of Baton Rouge is bringing in multi-million dollars off the backs of these eight home football games. So it is a lot of, I think, sweeping stuff under the rug. And, and with that, you start creating a culture of people not saying anything or, or falling on deaf ears because you can't suspend your starting running back before the Alabama game. Cause you know, if you go to sec championship, all the coaches get $150,000 bonus, you know? So it's a lot of people who are benefiting from these kids to the continue whole, to the play. whole town is benefiting the exactly. hotels, the bars, but look, you could also just make an argument like from a business perspective that you're running your business very inefficiently, right? Like you should have more oversight over your kids. If you know, you have a multi-million dollar business operation that revolves around 18 and 19 year olds, perhaps you should try to figure out, ways to you know channel funnel their behavior a little bit better understanding that that's hard to do but again you've chosen to have this business model where all the money goes to the adults well yep. then the adults now they're responsible for these damn kids that's you know right what I'm saying? That's um right. and i think that one thing we're leaving out just from the legal perspective is a lot of these title nine lawsuits just deal with the inefficiency of how the school handled rape and sexual assault allegations in general so this lsu article doesn't just cover football players. It talks about like random student A, you know, is accused of sexually assaulting random student B. And the girl in the situation basically asked for the boy to be removed from her class so she doesn't have to see him every day. And the school even failed to do that. Or, you know, the girl will say, I don't want to call the police because I don't want to get this boy in trouble. Um, but I would like to see some action taken by the university. University takes no action. Student says, all right, well, give me the report so I can take that to the police station. School says we're not releasing the report. So just different stuff like that. You know, the school could have probably handled some things a little bit better and just avoided this situation altogether. And that's with football players and without football players. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, just quick before we shift gears, can Coach Ogeron survive this scandal? 
I think that's again one of those things that goes back to the media. Like it just depends on how the news cycle is going, whether or not this. I personally think it's beneficial that they didn't play that Bama game when you really think about it. Because if they'd have gone out there and got stomped by Bama and then had this news come right on the heels of a bad loss that puts them like, you know, well under 500, it's just, it's a snowball effect. But if if this st- news story just kind of gets quieted down in the news cycle by something else, we see this type of stuff all the time where you can rebound. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So I, I'm sure it's more to come out of that. Um, just shifting gears, no good way to do it. But uh, game of the week in college football is Indiana, Ohio State. Um, Benny, what you think, right? You know, former school, you think they got a shot? <coughs> no. <laughs> Damn, I guess, I guess Benny ain't going back no time soon. He ain't looking for no sideline passes. <laughs> It's not even a, it's not a disrespect to Indiana. It's just that I just think that Ohio State is probably, if not the best team, one of one of one of the three best teams in the country be, between Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And it's been that way probably the last five years. You know. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying when I say no. It's just like I mean these people have been. We look. We think about the Saints team. I mean, we got two of these players, Michael Thomas and. Lattimore, yeah, we have defense in. I mean, they so just Malcolm Diggins, right. right? So, you know, you, you look at it, you just look at it like, man, this is this school does. So, I just that's that's how I'm looking at this game. And I think their quarterback is one of the best players in the country, Ohio State. That is right. Realistically, I feel like you know, he would have been a favor for the uh. The Heisman, but when you talk about only playing seven games, right? You know his numbers just aren't going to be good enough. Yeah, I mean, I always talk about, you know, when you're looking at who's going to win a game, look at the coach and look at the quarterback, and, and if you better at both positions, which I think Ohio State is, and and I mean, pretty much like Benny said, uh, you know, against most teams, they got the you know best coach and best quarterback, um, top three consensus draft pick in Justin Fields. I think they, you know, I, I don't think Indiana's going to be able to compete, but. Hopefully, I, you know, they'll give them a run for the first half and make it interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen, when I watched that Penn State-Indiana game, it just felt like Indiana shouldn't have been in the game, right? But they just kept making a play here, a play there. I think their quarterback is, is a little transcendent, right? But the rest of the roster, you're just watching kind of like how are they, you know, managing right. to stay in these games. Exactly. I just – I feel like they've, you know, they've benefited from schools like Penn State and Michigan just – falling off a cliff this year and, and not appearing prepared. Um, but I don't know that realistically in any other season that they'd be a top 10 team. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, and it's, again, like we talked about, like people are really benefiting from having no non-conference games. Right. Cause the yep. bigger schools that might've had some younger players who are really talented, they didn't have a chance to warm up. Right. In a school like an Indiana who might've come out, in an early season game and might not have even won against a non-conference opponent now doesn't have to play those games and they're playing, you know, underprepared bigger schools. And, and, and 
it's a recipe for them to take advantage of. And I don't know their roster inside and out, but they might have a lot of, you know, seniors, red shirt seniors, older guys who've been in the program. Yeah, I mean, well, Penix, their quarterback is a red shirt sophomore, which means he's been in the program for three years. And I, yes. and I know one of their receivers, uh, I was watching that Michigan State game, is, is an upperclassman who's really good. So, so yeah, so that's, I think that's part of it as well. But look, let's move on to the, to you know, the cream of the crop, the NFL. They got a lot of, a lot of, you know, new stories. A lot of storylines. We into week ten, so teams are starting to separate. Um, but but first, Rob had something personal, you know, to his background that he wants to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, I was a little excited to see they had a they had a game early in the season. I remember which week it was that they had the all black officiating crew. But now the all black officiating crew is moving to Monday Night Football in prime time, and that's just a big deal for me because I officiated for about three or four years. I officiated with some pro refs, a lot of college refs, and what I noticed is that. Just like in sports and just like in the workplace, like when you officiate, there's places that black officials tend to get put, right? And the same way, you know, if you were quick feet, they put you at defensive back, right? Or running back, and, and it's unlikely that you're going to get to play quarterback. Or in baseball, it's unlikely that you're going to be, you know, a pitcher or a catcher. They're going to put you in the outfield or something like that. In officiating, you're typically put at back judge and umpire, Right. And back judge and umpire, those positions don't tend to actually become the head referee, the white cap, as they call it. Um, and so you don't typically your white cap comes from your linesman and your headline. Right. And so to have an all black crew is a big deal because it just breaks racial stereotypes within that industry. We can do every job on that field. And so I'm just excited to see that it, it won't mean a lot to everybody else, but. Um, to people within that field, uh, it's just it's a statement that, you know, hopefully there's some change to come in that just the way we're hoping it comes in football and everywhere else. That's good, man. I never knew that, bro. Yeah, I'm bro. Just just uh, three or four years of doing it, you start to, to pick that stuff up real quick. Yeah, I had a uh, teammate of mine. Damn, I can't think of his name right now. But he, uh, when he retired, that what he wanted to do. He wanted to go back into officiating, mm -hmm. and also, like, listen to that story. That's that's you know, that's pretty interesting. Benny, as a player, did you did you have any relationships with the officials that did it matter who was officiating your game? That you know what I mean? I always knew who was doing everything. You know, that's part of you know that's part of the preparation. Just like preparing for a team, every week you get an officiating crew. And you know you get this guy report on the official just like you do anything else. You know what okay. they call, what they don't call, that type of thing. Interesting. I mean, I, I knew it happened a lot in basketball because um, you see the players kind of working the refs. Right. Um, so, I, but I wasn't sure how that worked in football. Oh, and, and Jerome Bogart, the head referee for the game, is a Morehouse class of '77 alum. <laughs> Had to, had to throw that in there. Huh? Had, to, had to throw that. In. Look, that's about the that's about the best chance a Morehouse uh, <laughs> a graduate got of making it to the NFL. Right, impacting any NFL game on a Sunday. <laughs> you better have that white black on. Better be that zebra. <laughs> uh, look, let's talk about the Drew Brees injury. Right, we we talked to Benny uh, off the pod about you know Drew Brees came into the game. We we found out later with some cracked ribs. He got crushed in the in the second quarter. Um, Defensive end landed on them. I thought it was a it, it was a penalty, but I, I thought it was a you know legit yeah, hit. It looked like a clean hit. They knew yeah. for a penalty on Caesar Ruiz's ass for not <laughs> for not blocking. <laughs> so Drew gets drilled into the ground, breaks more ribs, and uh, got a collapsed lung. So so we want to ask our, our resident NFL player over here, Benny. What would have you ever played with an injury of that magnitude? Bless you. 
And uh, if not, you know, what, what's your thoughts about, you know, playing a position, quarterback? How how soon do you think he can come back? It's probably going to be at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. I never played with no bruised ribs. I never had, you know, the pleasure of getting my, my ribs bruised. <laughs> but um, that's crazy, man, you know, that he came into the game with that and he had been playing with that. You know, that's toughness, you know, but. You know, football is a dangerous sport. Yeah, especially when you're 41. Yeah. So, so look, were you were you in New England when uh when Brady tore his ACL? Yeah. And Castle came in. Like, what as a player, like, what's the when your starter goes down, especially at the quarterback position? What's the mindset of the team? Like, I know it's always next man up, but that's one of the positions where you know a lot of times there's a drastic drop off. Uh, in this case, I, I think Jameis is about as good as you're gonna get as a backup. I, I think he can start in a lot of places, but but what's the mindset of a team as a, as a player on the field? Like you feel like you got to step up more, you doing more. Like what's, what's how does that go around? Um, I mean, I think everybody feel like they they need to you know you know do their job more, and that's when anybody get hurt, but especially the quarterback because he's the one person that's always kind of constant besides the lineman. So. I think it's just like everybody feel feel the need to need to step up a little bit more and do a little bit more. But if everybody do their job, man, they'll be all right. You know, put Jameson in good positions or or Taysom whoever gonna be the quarterback, which I think it should be Jameson, but we'll see. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think I mean I, I think you don't sign Jameis, you know, to put him third string, right? Like Taysom's a gimmick guy. You wanna put him on special teams. Like I think just the nature of what he does doesn't lend itself for him to be your true uh backup to to take, you know, 65, 70 snaps a game. Yeah, also you talking about <clears throat> you got Taysom and then you drafted Tommy Stevens with the hope of if I have to start Taysom, I could put Tommy Stevens in the role of Taysom, but then they 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 basically lost Tommy Stevens to the Carolina Panthers. So now you don't have a backup for Taysom in all those other positions, that being sometimes, you know, punt block, um, tight end, sometimes halfback, and then, you know, running the read option at quarterback. So you almost have to start Jameis in order to be able to use Taysom in all those other spots that, you know, you've been using him in. And I don't think Jameis signs with the Saints to to be third string. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, it's probably a conversation. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens. I think you know I, I think he can do what, what Teddy did. I, I think he's a I think he's got a stronger arm. I think he you know he played a lot more games prior to joining the Saints. So I, I think right. I think he can do more than just not lose. I think right. we asked Teddy just to not turn the ball over. I right. think James Jameis could probably actually push the ball down the field. So hopefully we'll see, you know, what the game plan is. Hopefully he got a game plan around his strengths for this week. But right. um, I mean, I think the biggest issue with Jameis like higher ceiling, lower floor, right? right. Like Jameis is going to take more chances, which means that you might get some turnovers to push your defense in compromising situations. Teddy wasn't giving you no turnovers, but he also like, you know, we beat what? Jacksonville like 13 to 10 last year that yep. we beat the Cowboys like 13 to 10. I mean, he wasn't taking any chances. Right. Um also, you know, now we got Emmanuel Sanders there, you got Marquez Callaway that you picked up. So the, and you got a healthy um uh, Alvin Kamara on an MVP pace. So you you just got the offense moving a little bit better. Defense maybe not moving as well as it was last year, but the offense is looking better. So you the opportunities will be there. We can see his accuracy is not as good as Drew Brees, 
But like you pointed out, he's going to be able to push the ball downfield, which is going to change the way defenses defend our offense, which may open up a whole bunch of different other stuff that's not open with Breeze in there. Right. And, and speaking of, you know, quarterbacks who's had trouble signing in the offseason, let, let's transition to, to Benny's old team, the Patriots. <clears throat> Cam Newton looked good the first couple of weeks, got COVID. Since COVID, he hadn't looked great. The team hadn't looked great. But they pulled out a big win against Baltimore in the rain this past weekend. You know, Benny, a lot of people had written off Belichick and, and, and the Patriots in general, saying that, you know, it, it Brady was the reason that team went. What, what's your thoughts on where the Patriots are this year? And do you think they're still alive? Not only this year, but you know, you think Belichick can get them back to an elite team? I think they've been, you know, they haven't been playing. I mean, let's just be honest, they missed two weeks of football, like you know, in a, in everybody <laughs> yes, thank else you. Practices, so you, know, <laughs> you gotta take that into consideration. They didn't they don't have the best team on paper, you know, as right. it is. So it's like I think they get the best out of the guys that you know that 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 that, that they have, and the more they get to practice, I think we'll see a better team. Like you know, that's one of the things I was saying. As the season go along, you know, we we should see teams getting better, and teams that's not getting better, then you know, they should start getting weeded out too. You know, what yeah. I'm so I think that New England will be all right. You know, I don't know if they're gonna go to no playoffs. You know, we're gonna <laughs> run out on a limb, but. I think they should be some place competitive football. And right. think about the games that they lost. The Denver game, they could have won that game. That game was Cam's first game back. It was kind of a bad showing. But the Buffalo game, Cam fumbled the ball going down for the tired thing. You know, so right. a couple of things that happened in those games that made them lose. They were yard, yard away from beating Seattle. Right. right. And then you had the Hoyer game, right, where, like, nobody expects you to win that game when Cam's out because of COVID. Right. There we go. So you take those, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously that's football, you know, uh, play here, play there. But. So y'all, so y'all out there in Florida is y'all, y'all believe in this, uh, this Dolphins team? Man, listen, I feel like people in Miami are fair weather fans anyway. And so like, you gotta be like really good to, to, to drum up a ton of support. And so I'm just kind of starting to hear like a buzz about the Dolphins, but I still don't feel like it's on the level of, of what their record is. Um, offensively, they're still not that exciting, but with a Brian Flores coach team and with the money they invested on defense, I feel like that's not where you should have expected. They, they haven't invested a ton on offense yet, like wide receivers, running backs and stuff like that. They just cut um, uh, the running back, uh, Howard, I believe. Oh, really? So, yeah, so they're running. Yeah, I think what he uh, two had 160 yards passing like yeah. this week. He had like 95 the first week. Yep. So they just winning off a of defense right now, um, which is probably not as sexy and as exciting, you know, in a in a town like Miami. But listen, if these guys put themselves in the position for the playoffs, Miami loves winners. Uh, people gonna start to 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 show up sports bars will start to pop a little bit just like it did with the heat like people all of a sudden caught the heat wave yeah. um towards right. the, the end of the playoffs what about uh the Steelers Benny you you want a pass team that went undefeated in the regular season um if the Steelers do you think the Steelers try to go undefeated does does going undefeated in the regular season take a toll on you going into the playoffs like if they wrap up the division um, because they're kind of creating space with Baltimore losing again this past week. Like, what's the effects of of 
you know, trying to go undefeated or, or going undefeated, and how does that play uh, get into the playoffs? I don't think there are effects. I think, you know, you have the type of people you have on your team will let them know, you know, because if you have guys on your team that's mentally strong, it don't matter when you go into the, uh, you know, when you go into something like that. It's just you're ready to go. Like, you want to go out there and win every game. You right. only get 16 games. It's not like baseball, not like basketball. Basketball, you got 82 games. Baseball, you got 163 games. Hockey, you got all those games. So you only have 16 Sundays. So that's really four months. Four months of football. You want to win every time you out there. You know, you don't you don't get accustomed to losing. Right. So I would say we want to win them all. You know, sometimes, you know, I can't speak for everybody on the team, but obviously, you know, you have some people that's weak minded on your team that's not really ready to go and or they, you know, slept on the game and all of a sudden now that game is not as good as it should have been because oh we overlooked those guys. Right. Those I guess it's one of those things. You just gotta hope the team stays strong and, and that's where you depend on the coach, you know, to find the things to keep the guys focused on what they're not not doing well. Because obviously even though they're winning, they're not doing everything well. So then if they focus on those things that they're not doing well, I think they'll be all right. Hey, do you think Pittsburgh is the best team in the league this year? No, I think that, you know, there's a, a, a few teams that's been playing well thus far. But if you look at Seattle, people would have thought Seattle was a lot better than they dropped a couple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a any given Sunday league. Definitely. Yeah, when you look at Pittsburgh's schedule, I mean, they don't have the, the toughest schedule uh, finishing out, but they do still have the Ravens and the Bills on there. And I think that they'll drop one of the two of those. Um the Browns on there, but in the Colts, but I think they'll win those. But I think they drop one of the Ravens uh, in Bills games. One of yeah, teams. I think a lot of people still think the Chiefs are the best team uh, in the league, uh, at least I, the most talented. Right, but interested about the Chiefs, right? Like they lost to the Raiders and they play them again this week, so it'll be interesting. And they've had a lot of close games, like the Chargers where they were down, you know, late. So it'll be interesting. I still agree with you though that they're one of those teams who might be playing down to the level of their competition coming off a super bowl it's like they just waiting to get back in position to do it again yeah and when you look at pittsburgh i mean they barely squeaked by tennessee um they struggled against dallas granted uh you know roethlisberger went out for a little while but but they haven't looked you know great i mean they're undefeated and they're finding ways to win but they haven't looked like you know head and shoulders above everybody else right um Let's talk about the, the the best the best play of the year, maybe the hottest team in the NFL right now, the Cardinals. D Hop, I think, solidified himself as the best wide receiver in the league. It was close. A lot of people, you know, a lot of especially people in New Orleans, want to say Michael Thomas coming off Offensive Player of the Year. You know, you still got Julio, but uh, what's your thoughts, Rob, on on D Hop's performance? I mean, look, D Hop's been a beast. Like I talked about what I saw with Antonio Brown when I saw him live and in person. I've been watching Hopkins since Clemson's being a Florida State fan. And I and he's always been the type of guy for me where it's like he's not the fastest, he's not the quickest. How's he always open? How's he always catching passes? Um, I, I know he's got huge hands, they say like he wears triple X gloves, but it's not just, you know, he's got a big catch radius and then his route running i think is really good too i actually saw him around the super bowl time he was right down the street from my apartment i was i think we had a concert we both came out at the same time not a big guy at all right like 
a legit six foot six one, probably like a buck ninety five, two hundred. Like no, doesn't jump off the page. Not not a Megatron or something like that, right? right? Um, but just gets it done. And when you watch that clip of him catching that pass, man, like I'm a, listen. I'm not hating, but I will say Jordan Poyer, big time MAGA supporter, comes running in there like a dumbass and knocks Tre'Davious White out of the way. And I feel like that did help DeAndre Hopkins a little bit because I feel like Tre'Davious White had a hand in there. And if if you don't knock him out of the way, he can continue to compete for the ball as he comes to the ground. But when Poyer comes from the right or from the left and bumps him, basically now nobody's competing for the ball as you go to the ground. There's a guy behind Hopkins, but Hopkins is able to snatch the ball from, from away from him. And so in front of him, now there's nobody competing for the catch. But just when you look at the still photo of his hands and like six other hands around the ball, it's it's an incredibly impre- impressive catch. Bat he, the ball down. <laughs> the number one rule on Hill Mary. Just bat the shit down. Bat it but, down. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you see all them hands in the air and nobody swiping. <laughs> nobody yeah, swiping. He high pointed that bitch. He high pointed it. But I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, because you see the guy behind him looks like he's higher than him. So it's like, well, if you higher than him, just violently swing your hand down. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, I don't get instead it. Instead, you got two hands in there, like you trying to catch it. No, there should be one arm coming violently across the ball, just slapping at that. Right. That's just easy. Betty, what a. Uh, you know, D Hop. I think I think we can kind of agree. I think he's probably the best receiver, if not top three. Who who's the best receiver you ever played with or against? Uh, besides Moss, you know. I oh, I forgot you played with Moss. Yeah, yeah. That's in the conversation, right? right I'm about to say right. that. I mean, that's it. Shit, ain't nothing to talk about. Yeah, besides Moss, I was you know AJ. Oh yeah, you play oh, with that's two right. great ones. Now, now when but but playing with Moss in practice, like it just in games, like what is that like? Was was there stuff where the ball just went up and you just like he got that like just nobody is is in his in his uh you know stratosphere in terms of of you know high pointing the ball and stuff like that and the combination of that and speed. Yeah, I mean besides the fact that you know Moss was probably the most physically gifted. To probably play this uh, NFL, you gotta remember the you know the fact that he's probably the smartest person out there too. So he sees things before they happen. So it's like he not only is he physically gifted mentally on the football field, he know things and know how to position himself with his body, and you know how he comes. That's why he make it look so easy. He's so smart. He sees it before it happens. Is that why he used to be throwing that hand up in the air right off the line of scrimmage? Because he must have known what defense was out there. What they exactly. Were he sees yeah. see press. He already knows it's cover three. He's throwing his hand up because he knows he needs the ball now. <laughs> right. so that's like, yeah, he is sick like that. Um, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody uh, like talk about him as being like, you know, gifted mentally in, in terms of on a football field. Like, wh- what did he? Like what makes you say that? Like what what does that look like? You know, in a lot in, in you know in film, film and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Um. Not only just practice practicing with Moss and hearing him, you know, talk back and forth in the huddle, or being in the offensive meetings and hearing the quarterbacks and receivers communicate. But you know, I used to watch film with Moss on uh, on Tuesdays and uh, Tuesdays and Wednesday we would watch film on uh on for the upcoming week. So. You know, there would be in, in film study, he would see it before it happened. It would be crazy. Damn, that's interesting. 
Because yeah. I feel like I feel like skill players rarely get you know um, described as as being you know smart or like not smart but just mentally have most, an edge. Most of your great great players are you know are extremely smart players you know in anything you know Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. You know, at those people that really excel, you know, you got the Tom Brady's, your, your Drew Brees, your Peyton Manning's, Deion Sanders. Yeah, this guy was physically, you know, one of the fastest players ever, but he was so smart as well. And you talk about his film study, you know, it was one of the things I was watching the other day and um, something he had on TV. But it makes sense, too, that he's an analyst now, you know. Yeah, but it's interesting that that Benny is saying that because we were just in a group text having this conversation, right? And there's all these wonderlick scores and who's smart and who's not was coming up. Um, And so sometimes I think there's a tendency to, you know, listen to how somebody talks and look at their test scores and make a determination as to whether or not they're smart. But the reality is, like, what you're talking about is what we as fans don't see. We don't see them in the film room and, and get to watch them be a savant in their actual area of expertise, the football field. Right. I mean, definitely because, like, you look at those guys, especially, like, linebackers and safeties, you know, and they realizing that if a team only run certain plays out of certain formations, they don't got to be the fastest guy because they know, oh, when they run I-form close, they only going to run a stretch play or they going to run this one pass play. So now you can put yourself in a position to play that play and look like you're a real good athlete because you already know what's gonna happen. So, so, gotcha. so it's one of those things. And when you get a real good athlete who already know what's about to happen, it just looks that much crazier. Yeah. And I feel like when you so fit, like as physically gifted as Moss was, like people just they don't all they see is the physical gift. They don't yeah, you you get that with a LeBron a lot too, right? Exactly. Like people right. just like, oh, he's six eight, two forty, and he's fast. Of course he's winning all these games. But then when you like <laughs> listen to like you was listening to Jared Dudley on the podcast, uh the Ringer podcast, and he was just talking about like Rondo and LeBron's minds, right? And he yeah. was just talking about how they just break down basketball 24-7. They eat, sleep, drink it, and they they you talking about tendencies like they know tendencies defensively and offensively of the other team. And so it's like, oh, when this guy goes here, this defender is going to move switch this way. And so they just the anticipation just goes up. And so now you start like everybody else is moving in slow motion because you know where they're about to go and you can move people around like pieces on the chessboard. And I think people end up taking all that stuff for granted when they see somebody who looks physically dominant over everybody else. Uh, all I know is they got a lot of six four receivers in the league right now, and and their ass is average. And they got a lot of six four niggas who can't make the league, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> uh, but but let's talk, Benny, about your position, a running back. Who you know at the halfway point, there's been a lot of guys. Uh, Derrick Henry still looks dominant. Uh, Dalvin Cook looked like you know he got the most yards from from scrimmage rushing. Um, Kamara's on pace for 120 catches. At running back, who, I think he's got 67 third in the league. I think. Yeah, who who would you say Benny has been the best running back uh, through 10 weeks in the NFL this year? Um, running the ball, I was I would go with with Kamara. I mean, with Delvin Cook and um, what's his name? Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry. And honestly, I like the guy from Jacksonville, the little guy. James Robinson. Man, he been balling. Saving my fantasy season. Right. <laughs> he bust my ass this week. Yeah, he's been doing good. Um, 
Man, Ronald Jones on the slick. He been fighting off Leonard Fournette for that spot. Ronald Jones running like you know, running like he don't want Leonard to ever see the field. (laughs) That's what competition does. Yeah, every time he out there, it's like man, this man, he going one hundred and twenty five miles an hour every time he get the ball. I got sick, bro. Rob had him on the fantasy team. I got sick watching that play. Ninety eight. I couldn't broke the scoreboard on <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Couldn't catch that man, bro. I had the had the high score all year on his ass. <laughs> I was like, man. What uh? Speaking of Tampa, Benny, what's your what's your thoughts on on Brady and Tampa? He's had some weeks where he looked, you know, not good at all. I mean, you looked at the Chicago game. He looked. He didn't even know what down it was against the Saints. That was probably the worst performance I've ever seen Brady have. Um. Since maybe a rookie, a rookie year performance, what, what's your take on on the Bucks as a whole? Do you think they are legitimate title contenders? I mean, even on a, a, a you know, it's gonna be up and down. Week, I think you know maybe their plan wasn't right because like you could go into a week and you game plan for a team and that game plan is not right. It'll look like it looked against the Saints. Yeah, everything was off, you know, and the Saints had their number. Then they got into the thing where they had to throw the ball. You know they was gonna lose that bad. Now you got to throw the ball, so you want Jordan and um the other boys. Davenport, Davenport just and Hendricks been going on too. Yeah, I'm like that. So that that was in and itself, you know, they put themselves in a hole with that. So now you look at now Brady is trying to adjust, and you look at it, he's still not really comfortable with Mike Evans, and that's his, really his top target over there. And they find every way you can see the frustration on their on their face. They trying to get it down, but they just haven't found the chemistry yet. Yeah. When they do, it will be like magic. You know, they catch it on some plays and some most plays they don't. But you know, it's a timing thing. So after Thanksgiving, you know, which is next week. So really, the month of December, I'm really looking forward to see you know a lot of good football being played by a lot of teams. You know, hopefully. Definitely. And and that's what hurts that's what hurts the most about losing Breeze because I felt like with Mike Thomas finally coming back and everything, we were just supposed to be about hitting our stride. Right. And we'll see what Jameson can do. Right? Maybe that's maybe true. he can maybe he can show us something, you know. Right. And just don't throw the ball away. That's all. Right, because he threw that thing straight to Jimmy Ward. My heart sunk. I said, "Oh Lord, not not in New Orleans too." <laughs> I think his heart sunk. He wasn't the same after that throw. Right. I mean, the crazy part is, you know, I watch I've watched probably like every I'm not going to say every snap. I watch every snap at Florida State. Right. And when James was a freshman or like redshirt freshman, he balled. Right. And from the day he stepped on the field, when they started to lose offensive linemen and weapons, that's when you started to see more turnovers. So I think protection is a huge part of what the Saints got to do for him because he he doesn't throw the ball away he starts trying to extend plays that's where he sat gets sacked that's where he fumbles and that's where sometimes he can he can throw interceptions um so i think that you know if, if you protect him you're gonna see you know some real you know quarterback talented quarterback play definitely i, I hope he you know he's not one to throw the ball to the running back but he's never had a, a premier running back uh at his time in tampa so i'm curious to see how we well, use yeah. camara yeah you saw he threw his two he threw like a 25 yard pass to him and then he threw the uh wheel route to him yeah. you know, on a touch wheel route yeah and so it's like nice. you know I, he hit mike thomas on a nice pass but it was i, I saw mike thomas get spinning around and I, I was thinking to myself mike thomas is probably used to a slower ball and a right. more accurately placed ball so that's something everybody's gonna have to get used to that thing's gonna be coming in hot and it might not be perfectly placed like it used to be. 
It might be a little wobble to it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but look, man, we look, we we running low on time. You know, we having fun with it. But uh, let let's hurry up and get to our picks, Rob. And uh, before we get out of here, um, I ain't gonna lie, Rob's trying to run away from me. He's sixteen nine and one. I'm thirteen twelve and one. But but I'm coming down. I'm, I'm coming back in a stretch. So uh, we got we got three games we gonna pick, and then we are gonna let Benny give his take on them too. The first game might might be game of the week actually. Uh, the Cardinals and Seahawks. Um. Seahawks are a three-point favorite at home. Uh, Rob, who you got here? Man, this is tough. I mean, home field advantage don't mean a ton, you know, right now. And the Seahawks are reeling. Yeah. And the, and the Cardinals are running. Um, But I think I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one because it's it's getting to must-win territory for them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and the Cardinals, you know, although they look good, I mean, you're talking about they won by a Hail Mary over Buffalo and then the week before they lost to Miami. So they look they look good, but I mean it's not been easy. You know what I'm saying? They've been in a fight every week. So I'm gonna oh, take definitely. the Seahawks. And I mean you could say the Cardinals should have lost this past week. Uh, but you know, and, and we kind of said from the beginning it looked like Russell Wilson was running away with the MVP, but sneakily, uh Kyler Murray is up for MVP. Right. He's he got eighth in the league in rushing. He's got almost 20, you know, 2,300 yards. He got 2,300 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, 600 yards rushing, and 10 rushing touchdowns. So, um, you know, he quiet as kept. Like, he might be top two, uh, you know, favorite right now for, for MVP. And they're in first place in the West in a exactly. tie. So, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm taking the Cardinals. They're on the road. They're feeling themselves right now. I'm going with Arizona and get, with, with the three, getting the and three. And Russell Wilson just dropped a, a – a, Co-ed fragrance or something with Sierra. His mind ain't on football. Yeah, right everything but football. No, Benny, nose, wi- nose wide open. <laughs> Benny, who you got? Co-ed fragrance. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's some that's some new age stuff there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> man, that like you said, like, it's a difficult one, but I was going along the same lines. Like, man, I can't see Seattle losing another one. Man, Russell, this was your year. Everybody been talking about you not getting no MVP votes. I feel like this was your year to go ahead on and win it. And then y'all went to lose it. Yep. I see now he focused on freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, bro, I, that I defense like- has just been bad too. And then he added Carlos Dunlap, and I saw some statistic that actually Jamal Adams, like in coverage, has been horrible this year, which yeah. I thought was funny because the DC. Um, Greg Williams out of the Jets made a comment, you know, when the trade happened, I don't really think he's going to like how they use their safeties in Seattle. And Pete Carroll said, mind your business. But now we seeing like Jamal Adams, you know, he's like pro football focus had him like ranked low on, on the list of safeties based on his coverage abilities this year. Look, bro, Russell, Russell better watch out before he be like his wife was in the music industry. <laughs> passed up right by Beyonce. <laughs> Kyle Murray, Beyonce. Uh, <laughs> Russ better be careful. Focus on football. Right, right. Next game, we got the uh, Packers at the Colts. Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites coming off a big win against Tennessee. Not, now they're leading uh, the AFC South, uh, which I thought Tennessee was running away with that division. Benny, who you like in this game? Who? Coach Green Packers. Bay at uh, Indianapolis. I like Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers? I got to go with Aaron Rodgers because I just don't see Aaron Rodgers losing right now. 
with with Devontae Adams and that boy we had last week. I can't think of his name. He got a hyphen in it like me. Oh, uh, Martez Scantlin. Got, I even, I'm not even gonna say what the the yeah, middle name is. We got we got another law firm. Right. The Green Bay receiver, man, man. I didn't know he was that fast. I was like, they was talking about they need to get Will Fuller. This guy, y'all need to get this guy more involved. Right. He looked right. nice. He looked nice last week. So I'm going with Green Bay. Rob, who you got? Uh, it's, it's Marquez Valdez Scantlin, just to get this man his credit. Uh, listen, the Saints need the Packers to lose. The the uh, Colts coming off of a long week, beating the Titans. They riding high. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Colts. All right, Colts gonna get it done. Picking the upset. Sound like you you picking with your heart. I'm picking not, with my heart. I am picking with my heart. I, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm just straight up with heart. Right there. Look, I, I can't. I can't pick. I can't pick uh, Philip Rivers to win nothing. <laughs> that dude, look, he he looked like he had ten kids and he forty. You know, man. They, I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. They special teams won that game for them. Right? I think like, Philip got like seven or eight kids. Though. He does, right? <laughs> it, it look it looked like it. I don't think his religion allows him to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro. I don't know if y'all saw the game two weeks ago when he played Baltimore. This dude was on his back like cockroach. And that dude hurting him off the interception. <laughs> Phillip Rivers wanted no parts of that man trying to tackle. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm riding with Naheem Hines. That's who's going to bring it home for us. This week. That's who better bring it home because you better oh, not need Phillip oh, Rivers. Another name I want to mention, Michael Pittman. I feel like, you know, people talk about Chase Claypool, big wide receiver, strong wide receiver. I feel like Michael Pittman, if he had maybe better quarterback play, would be in that same, you know, category of a big rookie wide receiver who would be putting up big numbers. Yeah. Definitely. Um, last game, Rams at Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks are a three-point favorite at home. Uh, Rob, who you got here? Shit, I'm going with my heart again, bro. Yeah, we need these Rams to win, baby. Uh, also, though, you know, after watching what Jalen Ramsey did to DK Metcalf, I was focused yeah, on that all week because I was just like, man, DK Metcalf is on a tear. Russell Wilson's tossing the ball over the field. This is going to be a competitive game, but you're just you're not going to stop DK Metcalf from eating. Ramsey followed him all over the field and shut him down. Um, Antonio Brown hasn't looked great. He's not settled in yet. Godwin still got the broken fingers. Um, Aaron Donald in the middle with the pass rush. We saw what the Bears did to the Bucks. We saw what we did. The Saints did to the Bucks with a pass rush. And I think Aaron Donald coming up the middle. Um, and then, you know, you got a corner who can just take away one whole side of the field. Um, I think that they're going to slow the Bucks down a lot. The challenge is that, is that, you know, the Bucks' weakness is in their secondary, and I don't know that Jared Goff can take advantage of that. I think that the Bucks' run defense is going to shut the Bucks' run game down. So I'm predicting maybe a lower-scoring game, you know, like 21-24, but I'm going to take the Rams. Gotcha. Benny, who you got here? Uh, I like the Rams myself. Really? But I'm I'm not gonna go against Bree. <laughs> that's the, that's the pick right there, bro. I'm going Tampa Bay. Listen, I ain't seen golf complete a pass that wasn't play action all season. I just don't see my uh, complete a pass that wasn't play action the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't see my man. Uh, what was what's the D coordinator name? Uh, for Tampa, the black dude. Hey, I can't think of his name. For Tampa, oh, Bowles, Ty Bowles. Ty Bowles. Yeah, I just I can't see I can't see uh golf going off on Ty Bowles. I, I think Ty Bowles. Yeah, Brian Flores could embarrass him the way he did. Yeah. It's kind of hard to see Ty Bowles not being able to do the same. Hey, thing. You know, 
you relying you're relying on McVeigh to, to out scheme the other coordinator, and I don't think he can do that this week because golf can't can't be any he beat anybody with his arm. So I'm taking Tampa Bay. Um, this the week I catch Rob make some ground here. I was about to say, I feel like I just handed you to you know maybe I shouldn't have had these drinks that I had before we started the podcast. Yeah. But I feel like I just I gave you some you know a chance to get back in this thing. I'm definitely about to tie this thing up, but look, <laughs> we about to get out of here, but uh. Benny, look, bro. I need a PS5. Anybody know Benny here? Here, avid PlayStation guy. I can't find it nowhere, bro. Where, where I got? Where, where can I get one? Yeah, go to the black market. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go to the black market and be willing to play them black market prices, <laughs> right? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> got my, I got, got me, man. Look, I'm lying to my son, telling him I know people at Best Buy. I'm trying my hardest to, to get one. <laughs> <laughs> Every day he asking me if my friend got it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, bro. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, might, <laughs> might, might be broke for Christmas this year, bro. You know, I thought 500 was a lot. Look, I might have to try 15. <laughs> right. But uh, right. man, that's all we got, man. Anything before we get out of here? Nah, let's get out of here. Later, y'all. Thanks for joining the show, Benny. All right, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Y'all take it easy, bro. You too, bro. Later. So that these niggas don't get one end though. Beside this bitch with his standoffs. No law, no law, so can't depend on niggas. Rest all in my hand cold. Who think I'm trying to win for? They will come on. I ain't lying. My mom said I did it on the stop playing with me. He get caught playing games, we see that fine.